explain, can you explain why Bitcoin is such an attractive financial tool? Because it is somewhat anonymous, not fully, and because you can move money instantaneously. So the one thing we can count on is Bitcoin goes forward in the year 2024. Fifteen seconds. Guiding the words of the doors. Twelve, eleven, ten. The time to hesitate nine. is through. Ignition sequence stop. We choose to go to the moon Five, in this decade four, and do the other three, thing, not two, because they are one, easy, but because zero. they are hard. All engine running. Q and A. How's it going, man? I'm doing pretty well. I am uh, excited to be on, excited to dive in, uh, and excited to uh, tell my origin stories. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm pretty keen to hear it, man. It's. Uh, I'm pretty keen to hear everyone's origin stories. To be honest, this is kind of the the whole point of the pod. I had a a DM from an avid listener. I don't know if I should mention their name. Um, but, uh, they were just basically saying that they enjoyed the, the aspect of the pod where you can kind of learn about Bitcoin virals osmosis through other people's experiences of discovering this thing and identify yourself in them in like a particular thing that they did or something. And you're like, Oh fuck, I'm doing that at the moment, or I've done that or whatever. Uh, and I just think it's a nice way to unpack this complexity of Bitcoin and you know, I try and keep up with some of the galaxy brains and the technical side of things. And like, you know, as, uh, there's sort of a, a mildly running, a mildly funny running joke on this pod where, um, you know, you've got the, the, the math brains, the engineers on, on one side and then the liberal arts guys and, and brains on the other side. And I'm falling into that, you know, happy to acknowledge falling into the liberal arts category of that side of the brain. So, you know, I know that you tend to fall in the more technical side of things. So bear with me if I, uh, if I reveal my 60 IQ on the, on the bell curve, you'll just have to hold my hand, you know? All good. All good. I got you, man. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you're absolutely right. As, as Bitcoin continues to grow and the, the, the kind of catchment of, uh, you know, what constitutes a Bitcoin widens day by day. The ability to be able to kind of keep up to speed with everything um, becomes nigh on impossible. It's something I've realized over the course of the last couple of years is that you really have to find your niche if you want to kind of focus or specialize in, in one specific aspect because um, trying to keep up with everything these days is just, it ain't going to happen. There's just so many projects, so many technical aspects being worked on so many different types of wallets nodes etc all you know doing their thing which is awesome and obviously everybody in the bitcoin ecosystem uh, gains from that but trying to keep up to speed compared to like five years ago is is just uh too much of a tall order these days so yeah it's uh it pays to kind of um optimize your time and kind of focus on you know what it is that you're specifically uh geared towards or wanted to, to kind of learn i think you know podcasts are, are my favorite way of doing that um you know you could just pop your earphones in and you know go about your day and you know learn by osmosis for you know two people talking for the course of two hours and, and pick up some some tidbits so definitely been my uh my 
favorite way to to kind of uh, learn specifically the more technical side of things since i joined the, the bitcoin ecosystem yeah most definitely to that end then how did you discover bitcoin yeah so um as with most people it didn't uh oh, sorry it unfortunately didn't uh it wasn't the immaculate conception and it, it didn't start with just bitcoin unfortunately you mean in you fact, didn't, didn't just read the white paper and it immediately clicked with you that this is the most marvelous <sighs> thing ever i wish <laughs> I, I wish that were true. Uh, unfortunately, the the origin story begins with many other things that are not Bitcoin. So back in 2017, when the whole crypto ecosystem was having the first kind of big bubble where Bitcoin ran up to like $20,000, mm-hmm. um, I was in my old uh, Fiat job where I had a shared office. And the guy that used to sit next to me was was sat there frantically tapping buttons on his phone and he looked like he was interested in something i said you know what what are you up to because uh, this didn't seem like normal behavior for him he was obviously he said, not oh, interested uh, in work <laughs> absolutely well if i hold my hands off neither was i um <laughs> so uh, yeah <laughs> so i asked him what he was up to and he said that he was mining monero and i was like okay what the hell is that and he you know, proceeded to to tell me that he was basically using the processing power on on his phone to earn um small amounts of basically this internet money this digital cash um and that was uh purely from a speculation or a you know i guess a get rich quick standpoint sparked a little bit of interest in me i was like "Mm, free money by just pressing some things on my phone sounds like a good idea i'm gonna look into that (laughs) so that then kind of sparked my interest in okay there's this whole ecosystem here that i've never heard of called cryptocurrency what is it you know why is it important um and can it make me rich more importantly uh, because that's you know the way that most people come in and i'm absolutely no different so started to watch uh hundreds and hundreds of terrible terrible youtube videos that ranged uh that were mainly kind of trader focused uh because like i say i was i was in it for in it for the the gains so to speak mm-hmm. um just by i guess by like you said before osmosis of like uh, i'll you know, the algorithms get you, don't they? Especially on YouTube, you start watching a video about, I don't know, mining Monero on your phone, and then you get suggested uh, a video about, you know, oh, there's this other thing called Dash, and, you know, that's that's going to be adopted by a bank next month, and it's going to go to the moon, and you should buy some of this. And <laughs> the algorithm gets you, sucks you in, and then before you know it, you're up till 4 a.m. watching this sort of stuff um, and, you know, quickly wanting to start investing Obviously, in hindsight, that was a pretty terrible idea. Um, so, you know, over the course of, I guess, 2018 and 2019, um, I started to, well, continued to start to listen to various podcasts. Um, not the the high quality ones that we have in the Bitcoin space today, unfortunately. They were more kind of generic cryptocurrency ones where it was basically just an ICO shill fest where they'd get people on. I presume they were probably paying to go onto the podcast to shill their latest, you know, let's put coconuts on the blockchain uh, offering. <laughs> um, and yeah, that would be then mean that suckers like me would think that that was a great idea and buy into it in the, in the under the guise of, you know, selling down the line to make some fiat gains. Um, so yeah, proceeded for the next couple of years to uh, lose a lot of money uh, as most of the market did because we had a, a very long bear market. Bitcoin at this point still very much off my radar. The only understanding I had was uh, what these crypto um, 
podcasters were telling me in that you know bitcoin's old tech uh it's the granddaddy it's uh it's kind of fading into insignificancy and you know it's probably not worth paying attention to and the price uh action was kind of reflecting that you know it was just going down in value versus the dollar or the pounds much like the rest of the ecosystem so that was kind of i guess giving me a bit of um understanding that maybe these people were right mm-hmm. in hindsight obviously now we know that they're not but again one by via osmosis the i i've just been sort of uh, saying bad things about the the algorithms on podcast apps and youtube and stuff but eventually i did start to get surfaced with some good stuff like andreas antonopoulos um rhr matt and marty stefan lavera um a more more kind of bitcoin focused um podcast and videos that started to eke their way into my consciousness mm-hmm. uh, tone vase was, was another one i know he's a big trader but he has long time been a bitcoin only advocate um and slowly but surely these people started regurgitating the same message of you know it's only bitcoin nothing else really matters and that just started to resonate with me slowly as um I started to see through all of this ICO bullshit, basically. You know, I saw that the emperor was wearing no clothes and that this stuff was just basically a pump and dump scam to dump onto retail, like me, uh, to, you know, relieve you of your dollars and your pounds. So I guess it was just a really slow and organic shift from, you know, watching all the old crap on YouTube and stuff about trading to wanting to understand why these people were uh, so, so, um, such big advocates of, of the Bitcoin only ethos, if you like. Right. Um, so yeah, I've got a lot to to thank for those types of people like Andreas, you know, all the people I mentioned before, um, who slowly just started to um pass on their wis- wisdom to me. Um and at this point, luckily I had a job um in the same uh fiat business where i was driving all over the uk so i I was spending anywhere between 20 to 25 hours a week in the car which is absolutely perfect for listening to really long bitcoin podcasts (laughs) so that was when it really started to to hit home because it was this was all i ever did um if i was in the car i had a podcast on uh if i was out running i had a podcast on basically if i wasn't being forced to speak to my wife um, then I had a podcast in and I was learning about Bitcoin. <laughs> Do you often get forced um, to speak to your wife? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yeah, it does happen from time to time. No, I'm just joking. Down with coercion, awesome. bro. Um, it's it's got to be voluntary. You might want to <laughs> check the, the the contract there. Yeah, so uh, I'd, I'd start. I'd started to to wake up to the you know the Bitcoin made the most sense out of all of the the other crap that was circulating around yeah. in the the quote unquote crypto ecosystem, um, and it was at this point that I discovered, and I'm not sure how to be honest, um, Telegram and the various different Telegram communities uh-huh. that a lot of the Bitcoin nodes and wallets have, and you know I, I suddenly went from being this guy that you know my only bitcoin uh, outlet was listening to podcasts on my own to finding thousands of people on telegram who were interested in the same wallets or nodes or projects as i was so i thought this was awesome and i spent you know once again way too much time when i should have been working in my old job you know helping uh, or just conversing in these telegram groups i once again started to learn via osmosis and just watching other people's conversations and seeing the uh, i guess the problems that they had in in the different projects that i was interested in um and this continued for 
probably six to 12 months. And I slowly started to notice that rather than me being the one asking the questions, I was the one answering the questions. And I kind of picked up a good amount of knowledge in, you know, the, the, these types of projects that um, put me, I guess, as a bit of a, or one of the, the subject matter experts that people started to come to me for to ask for advice hmm. um, and it just happened really naturally um, just by by nature of me spending so much time in these groups and you know uh, a few of the the I guess OGs being very very kind with their time and and you know carefully explaining things to me over a long period of time um, you know I slowly started to, to to draw all that information in and be able to then help others who were you know in the same position as me 12 or 24 months earlier once again, this continued and I was having a great time. Um, and I started to, when, when you first start helping people, or this is how I found it, um, was that you're all too keen and you're more than happy to answer the same thing over and over and over again. It soon starts to wear a bit thin and you soon start to want to kind of leverage your time a little bit better. So I was like, mm -hmm. you know, we're getting the same um same things asked over and over again, you know, how do I, I, I my tour connection is not working or I've got no balance in my Bitcoin wallet or I can't connect to my Bitcoin, that sort of stuff. And I was like, it's got to be a better way I can leverage my time here because I still want to help people. But, you know, I'm only one person. I've got a, a full time job uh, and then I'm sending all these hours in Telegram rooms helping people out because I enjoy it. But, uh, you know, it quickly got to a point where I couldn't do any more. Um, so that was the the impetus for me to start writing and, and start building out um, my first website, which started out at um, BitcoinQNA.com, hence the, the pseudonym. That's where um, yeah, the, right. the pseudonym was derived from. That started out as a very, very rudimentary website that basically was just, if you've got a simple question about Bitcoin, the chances are you'll find your answer here. Like, you know, what is a Bitcoin node? What is a Bitcoin wallet? What is a private key? That sort of stuff. But rather than it being all really long form stuff, um, it was kind of, because I'm terrible at reading things and I, I just have a really short attention span for reading long form content. So it was just short to the point, grab a quick answer. If it's a detailed subject, here's length where you can go and read more, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, that was early in 2020. Um, and I guess, yeah, the, the website has grown, you know, exponentially since then to cover all sorts of things from deep dives into specific wallets or nodes to full guides on multisig and privacy. Um, and then we've also got additional tools in there, like, um, the C tool where you can go ahead and use it as a bit of a playground to learn about more complex things like entropy and dice rolls and that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, so that's been a labor of love in my spare time for the past four years and is now grown to what is currently uh, bitcoiner.guide. That's the new domain that, that all of my stuff lives under. And yeah, it's just a free resource essentially for people to go and, and read and learn uh, about Bitcoin and about Bitcoin projects that are, um, I guess, at one point were important to me. Um, so I decided that I wanted to help people and spread the word about that project. Uh, so I decided to write about it and so that people could uh, use it as a reference point, share it with their friends. Um, and yeah, that was my way of contributing back because um, in case it wasn't already clear, like I I've come into Bitcoin from a very non-technical standpoint. My, my old Fiat job was me just working with my hands. Um, I then kind of uh, progressed into a more of a managerial role, but it was just, you know, a generic middle management, just looking after a team of people 
nothing to do with um, computers, money, anything like that. So uh, this has been very much uh, uh, me banging my head against the keyboard and reading and listening to lots of things and learning via osmosis um, to kind of pick this stuff up. So uh, a lot of people that come to me for help already assume that like I'm a developer or I'm a um, have an IT background or something like that. And that's very much not true. Um, so it's kind of, I just learned through, through doing and listening and, you know, being others being very kind with their time. Um, so yeah, that, and I think that's it. Yeah. That, that <laughs> brings me to roughly to the current day. Yeah. That's the horseshoe right there. You've, uh, you've done the full, you almost done the full lap really. I mean, you, you have done the full lap, particularly, you know, back in the day, I mean, starting out, did you did you end up getting any any Monero mined on your on your mobile? I did uh, very very insignificant amounts, and I have no idea whatever happened to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to imagine um, back in 2017 using the processing power of something of a device like that. I mean, yeah, even back then, like we're talking tiny tiny amounts like yeah. obviously it wouldn't even be feasible today but back then it was it, it was still just really small insignificant amounts i'm curious to know uh did you did you have to go through to uh, uh, did you have to go through a decent chunk of financial pain or just pain in general to to sort of get yourself back out of that that cul-de-sac uh so to speak of of these sort of you know, crypto projects, shit coins, altcoins, whatever you want to call them. Uh, was that was there oh, a, yes. a bit of yeah? There was a bit of pain. There was a, were there any explanations? Yeah, so or dark I, moments of like, I'm sorry, um, we're just not going to be able to do that anymore. <laughs> I can't afford it. <laughs> um, can't well, no, luckily, I mean, I, although yeah, although I say, well, I did lose a significant amount of money. Um, I was always, you know, I'm fairly sensible with, with my money. So I never invested more than would actually change my life if it all went to zero, which most of it did. Like it, it was never like I wasn't taking extra mortgages out on the house or anything like that. No, I'm not no that leverage. type of guy. So, yes. you know, don't get me wrong. It, it hurt when it was going down for basically two years solid. Um, but it was it was just kind of uh, disposable income that was that was in, invested. So, um, you know, it, it wasn't kind of life changing. Um, but yeah, oh god, I bought all sorts like Litecoin, Dash. Um, I even bought something called uh, Dig or Dignity or something that was, that was supposedly like this gold backed token. Literally all of it. I just kept hopping from one to the other, slowly losing more and more and more until it got to the point where I was down by like probably like 95%. And that was around the time where the Bitcoin only stuff was starting to make sense. And I just said, you know what? Fuck this. It's all going into Bitcoin. You know, I think at the time it got me like a million sats or something like that. And then I was like, right, that's it. I'm not buying anything else. Um, I'm just going to listen to these awesome podcasts. It's a really interesting technology. I want to understand what's going on under the hood. I want to be, um, you know, the go-to guy that knows about wallets and nodes and stuff because that's what I'm really passionate about. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. And, you know, I've just started, I think I bought my first sats in early 2019, I think was when I did that conversion and cut my losses from, you know, everything else that I've just mentioned and, and, you know, went Bitcoin only. 
Yeah, nice. And so you go through that whole journey and then you, you find yourself actively contributing to the space, obviously, um, you know, in, in so many ways with the Bitcoiner guide. Um, but foundation devices, the passport, etc. We'll, we'll come to that. Um, I, I, I want to find out, and I, I, I might, well, I probably should know the answer to this, but I'm curious to know your uh, thoughts. Like what compels a Bitcoiner to do this stuff? You know, we, 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 we find ourselves going down the rabbit hole. We're learning as much as we can. We're trying to absorb. And then, I don't know, the price starts to run up. You get a couple of text messages for some friends or somebody asks you something. You just feel compelled to help people understand it, right? I mean, sometimes you go through the Charlie Day moment where you're just screeching from the rooftops like, man, you got to get into this Bitcoin thing, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And, you know, like you have your moments, uh, particularly early doors. Uh, but the, every single time you discuss Bitcoin with somebody, particularly um, new, it comes from a place of good intentions. And I find that really fascinating. Like, I don't know if it's because it's of this sort of early adopter phase that we're apparently crossing over the chasm to, you know, the early majority, but it, there's like a characteristic trait, a personality trait within the Bitcoiners that I've spoken to, and I've spoken to a fair few, where they just feel compelled to, I don't know, talk to someone about Bitcoin from a place of good intent and, dare I say it, love, I don't know. Yeah, I, th I think it starts with self-interest, doesn't it? You know, yeah. most people, especially at this point, we, you know, we're in a uh, what looks like to be like a bit of a bull market. Most people at this point that have invested in Bitcoin and held for, you know, a, a medium to long period of time have seen some good um, increase in their nominal wealth in their chosen fiat currency. And, you know, for most people, that's enough to want to make them stick around and to want to kind of spread the word about it. The... <sighs> You're absolutely right, and I, the reason I did a little giggle there is I think most people have this realization that when it when they have that click moment, and and that can come at different times and at different um, periods for different people and and via different methods, but everybody has that moment where they're like the light bulb lights up and they're like, holy shit, like this, this I get it now, like this, this is everything else is a scam. This is this is the one truth that we have, and I just need to tell everybody that i know and then you run around to all your friends and family and they think you're a complete fucking lunatic <laughs> um which is understandable because you know most people myself included before i kind of fell down this rabbit hole like especially in the western world they they don't understand what money is mm. they don't even think about what money is most people live just about get by you know maybe they've got some debt they've got a mortgage but they they you know they're not living on the breadline and and they, they're not living kind of hand to mouth so to speak so they don't have an incentive to go and explore this sort of stuff and then their family member comes running up to them and tells them to buy this into magic internet money and you know it's going to make them rich in 50 years and they can retire early and blah 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 and you know it's it's no wonder that we get seen by as kind of uh as fanatics or lunatics um i completely get that and i was that guy once and then the longer that you spend in the space and the more time that you spend around people and you have those dead-end conversations where people just look at you with glazed eyes and think is this guy okay like i think he <laughs> might need some help so i'm at the other end of the spectrum now you know i've been in the space for like well 
a long time um, where I don't tend to go out and push people mm-hmm. uh, or, or even bring it up in conversation. If it comes up naturally and there's an opportunity where, you know, we, we talk about money printing or inflation and things like that. And, you know, that's the natural in for you to raise it in a kind of, in a shill lightly uh, method, then I will still t- continue to do that. But most people just know I'm the Bitcoin guy in my circles. If they want advice, they can come to me, but I'm, you know, I'm, I guess too old and tired to be going out and having those dead end <laughs> conversations because the, the society, you know, uh, as, many faults as it does have and it doesn't seem to be going in a direction that most of us bitcoiners like it's still not bad enough for people to want to open their eyes and unplug from the matrix unfortunately so no that's totally that's so true i i, I put every now and again uh, the, you know that bitcoin meme where it's, it's like a metronome and it tick tocks backwards and forwards and um on one end it's like trying to propel the message of Bitcoin and spread it as far and wide as you can. And then on the other side, it's um, fuck off, like uh, you're all idiots and um, have fun staying poor. You know, I was, uh, I was, yeah. I was ticking on, on the, uh, the helpful side uh, the other night and I was in a mood. So I, I threw out some, some, some bait, I suppose, to sort of the, I don't like the word normie network, but like, uh, you know, no coiner or pre coiner network, um, you know, uh, just to see what would happen. It was, you know, in and around um, inflation and um, certain businesses going under. And there's just been a huge spate of it within uh, an industry that I'm a part of. And, and, and it's kind of obvious to me what's going on, um, but not so obvious for everybody else. And uh, I thought I'd just throw out a couple of things and, um, I kind of barely elicited a response, to be honest. And so now I've talked back the other way to just, all right, we'll like have fun staying poor. I'm, I'm, you know, at least I tried kind of thing. Um, it's, it's, it's just one of those things that you do occasionally as a, as a Bitcoiner. I wanted to find out what, if you can recall what that light bulb moment was, was, was there something where it just dropped, just clicked. You were just like, Oh, yeah right, Bitcoin. Yeah, I I think um, it was around the time where I, I, I'm terrible with timelines now, but I distinctly remember listening to RHR and Marty every single day uh, or week. Sorry, it was going on about the this reverse repo system, basically where oh, yeah. the the Fed was helping out the bank didn't. Um, this shit was going to fall over. September 2019. There you go. Didn't understand Mm. it fully. And to be honest, I still don't fully understand it um, and have no interest in doing so. But I learned enough to know that there was, you know, systematic problem here where the Fed was having to step in and basically just change numbers on a balance sheet um, to stop these banks from falling over. And and I was like, hold on, like if if they can just do this willy-nilly and just manipulate stuff, like what are we even doing here? Like I have to go to work for 50 hours, 40, 50 hours a week, that salary. Um, and then these, these guys can just go and manipulate these numbers on their balance sheet and basically just steal from me. Um, so that, I think that was an early memory I have where the kind of systemic issues in the banking system globally started to twig to me. And then the, the second one would be COVID. Like we, mm-hmm. we, we shut down. The, the the world economy 
we told everybody to stay home. Don't go to work. We're going to pay your wages. And you're like, whoa, hang on a minute. How on earth are you going to do that? And obviously, we we know how they're going to do that. They're just going to print money out of thin air. They're going to steal from uh, our future selves. And we're going to end up paying the price. Well, we, we've already started to see that through ridiculous energy bills, rising food prices, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, they have the audacity to try and gaslight us into thinking that it's like greedy corporations that they're just raising their prices willy nilly because they feel like it. And you're like, come on. So I think those were the things that made me really, um, really fully understand that there's, there's global problems here because I, I very much just had my head buried in the sand in my own little happy bubble of, you know, this is my world. That's fine. And then that was like my impetus to look outside and think, oh my God, the world's really not that rosy. What can I do to really kind of protect myself against this? And really, we only have one option and it's Bitcoin. It's crazy, isn't it? The gaslighting, man. The gaslighting is so egregious. And uh, I guess that's that's the thing that baffles me, I must admit. Like, it's just, just the blatant... Uh, nonchalance of which it's done it's just like we know that you're not even probably listening so we're just gonna say it out loud now and um this is what we're doing or or yeah no we're not doing that at all in the same breath they can they can do it it's it's uh it's pretty extraordinary yeah absolutely and the the severity at which they're getting away with this sort of stuff and and the 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 brass knuckles that they have of just uh brass neck excuse me uh to just come out and say this stuff which is literally like a just a blatant lie um is is quite you know quite frankly shocking the only silver lining i have aside from bitcoin obviously is that like i think they've pushed it too far now and people even you know quote unquote normies are starting to wake up and starting to ask questions um so i think we're we're slowly starting to get there where the, the the average person is starting to question the government more so than they ever have before in in terms of recent years at least um and that coupled with the fact that everybody's feeling the pinch everybody's bills are going up nobody's wages are going up um is starting to get you know people are pissed off and and i think for bitcoin that's a good thing and you know i think the the impetus for people to look for alternatives and to start questioning the status quo is starting to become more common. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's all about what you said before, self-interest. And everybody's acting from self-interest, irrespective of whether you want, you know, to bring in new people to pump your bags, um, or at least help pump your bags, you know, or um or yeah, you just slowly uh trying to keep the kick kick the can down the road and and, and um pump your bags on the other end, I guess. I don't know. Everyone's just acting in pure self-interest. The, the, the compulsion to start that education um, website, bitcoinqna.com, which turned into bitcoin.guide, um, you know, and, and you said that you weren't necessarily a technical person, but you clearly got a, a good grasp on it. And so much, you know, you, you're able to articulate and communicate uh, some of these more technical aspects to people, newbies, beginners, even experienced people that have you know been down this hole for for a little while. It, it, do, do you 
did you just want to get it off your chest or was it like a, I guess in a way by doing it, you even deepen your own understanding. What, this, this compulsion to contribute is, it's really quite interesting. It's one of the reasons I started this podcast was just, I don't know, you just feel like you just need to do it. It's like a calling or something. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody has that calling or that need eventually. And, and everybody has different skill sets. Some people are developers. Some people are great hosting podcasts. Some people are great at hosting events or conferences. And, you know, everybody, once they have that light bulb moment, wants to contribute. For me, I was just passionate about the, the, um, the aspect of using Bitcoin uh, and that manifested itself in terms of running nodes. Like I've probably run like 10 different nodes at this point hmm. using wallets. Like there are many on the market that I haven't tried. Um, improving your privacy was another one. And just by spending time in those kind of um, communities, mainly on Telegram, as I said before, um, I just got a real buzz and a real kick out of, you know, sending a message on Telegram and somebody coming back and go, holy shit, you fixed it. Like I got a little buzz out of that. Hmm, nice. So that was first, and that's why I kept coming back. Uh, number two was inevitably uh, there will be questions that come up and I didn't have the answer. And rather than just scroll past, I'd be like, oh, I should probably know that. Um, so I'd go away and find the answer for that person. Give them the answer. I'd get the buzz because uh, I've helped them fix it. And I'd then learn something new. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so that was kind of the, the the start or the impetus for it and then as i said earlier the it quickly got quite um you know i i guess i built up a little bit of a name for myself as to be like one of the guys that people go to for help so that increased the traffic the bitcoin value was going up so there's more people entering these communities and going down the same journey as i was and it just quickly got kind of um i guess out of hand so that was one of the impetus to be like okay need to leverage my time a little bit better here let's start putting pen to paper um so to speak and writing about these common things and you know have something rather than you spending two minutes which doesn't sound like a long time uh writing a response to somebody you can just go copy paste here, here's a link read that let me know if you've got any follow-up questions afterwards so i could leverage my time better there and then i guess the final piece brings me back full circle to what you alluded to is when you start to become passionate about bitcoin and, and more specifically certain projects especially like free and open source ones like most of the the communities that i mix in mm -hmm. um they generally speaking don't have an income the people are more often than not working for free um again more often than not in their own time mm -hmm. and doing this without reward so if I, I just found myself you know obviously getting benefit from the hours that they were doing by building this tool be it a node package or a wallet or whatever and i was like okay well i want to give back to this person and yes i could give them some sats and i've you know done that many many times but i can you know how can i give more value all right well the main developer of, say, Sparrow Wallet doesn't want to be spending time answering 3,000 messages on how to set up a new wallet on Telegram. That's not a good use of his time. And if he is doing that, then he's not maximizing his potential to build uh, you know, the, the best desktop wallet that there is. So if I act as a firebreaker in between you know, him and the, the front line and, the, and the, the people who are using this tool to be able to pick off some of the easier questions so that he can go away and spend an extra hour or two a week um, adding a new feature, then I'm I'm benefited from that because I get a better tool, and he's benefited from that because he gets to continue building his vision. Obviously, I just use Sparrow Wallet as an example there, but you know, 
rinse and repeat that for any of the other common um, uh, uh, projects that are in the space. Uh, that was my way of contributing back because I, I can't delve into the code and, and and you know fix bugs and stuff. And I, to be honest, I have no interest in doing that, and it's just mm -hmm. way above my pay grade. Mm -hmm. um, so that was my niche. I found where I could contribute to a, an open source project by giving my time and helping other people uh, without being, let's say, a uh, you know a hardcore developer. That's that's kind of the thing I guess I was getting at. You know, there's a whole bunch of Telegram channels. I mean, pick and choose. But for instance, the the Start Nine one, or I was in a, a Zeus channel the other day and having some issues. And like, it, it just the response is just always positive and helpful. And you just know the person on the other end is not getting paid to give you this advice. They're just doing it because. As I said, like, I mean, yeah, as you said, that, that, that sort of nice, fuzzy, warm feeling, that sort of, what do they call it, a dopamine hit is, is, is a nice incentive. But there's also, it just sort of goes beyond that. It's, it's, it's like rising tide lifts all boats sort of vibe. I don't know. It's just, it's just a really nice community of, of um, yeah, as I said, good intended um, individuals just, just looking to help each other out. It's just nice. I don't know. And then we get called toxic psychopaths that, that um, want to tell everyone to have fun staying poor, which is also true, but that's because most of the time when they, when they cop that abuse, it's because they've come with, it, uh, uh, with, with sort of this, this superiority complex or this unwillingness to learn and to humble themselves before a topic that is just infinitely complex and incredible. Like, yeah, you know, and if you don't, if you can't do that, um, well then yeah, you deserve to be told to fuck off. And it doesn't matter what subject that is. That could be anything from book binding to, you know, I don't know, making Madeira or something. I have no idea. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> How has discovering Bitcoin changed you? Oof, good question. Um, two things stick out for me. Number one, um, it's given me a much longer time preference. Um, you know, I've gone from basically living paycheck to paycheck and, you know, just being very materialistic and just wanting the the next iPhone and uh, wanting to make sure that I'm keeping up with the Joneses, so to speak, to, you know, looking forward to the future and thinking, you know, I'm excited about how much I can save this month. And, you know, if you'd have told me that 10, 15 years ago, I'd have laughed in your face. Um, and it's made me want to, I guess, build, you know, that's evident from, I guess, how I spend my time is want, want to build and build, uh, sorry, leave behind, I guess, uh, a little bit of a, of a legacy, you know, in, in multiple ways, you know, be that through educating people and helping, you know, like, uh, bring other people up, mm -hmm. but also, you know, obviously securing um my longer term wealth for for me and my family and making sure that we're as best prepared as we can to um to tackle what whatever happens with society over the course of the next you know 50 60 years hopefully if i make it that long so that's one facet of it and i guess the other facet would be it's turned me into a bit of a privacy weirdo um <laughs> that is mainly because of once again I, I keep coming back to these telegram communities but i just think they are fantastic it's the best thing i've ever discovered 
you know, that's around the Bitcoin ecosystem. Um, I was lucky enough to just fall into kind of the the samurai ecosystem and went deep down the rabbit hole in obviously their their suite of tools that they have, which are fantastic. But more specifically, just get to know people in there that were very helpful with their time and they were all pseudonyms and they all were talking about like uh coin joins and uh PO boxes and running alternative Android operating systems and and all of this stuff was like a completely new world to me. You know, I, I was that guy that had all of the remote control um light bulbs and the Nest thermostat and the ring doorbell and you know it was a surveillance. Uh, yeah, Amazon, Alexa, all that sort of stuff in my house before I discovered all this. And I thought it was the best thing uh, ever. And then I had my eyes woken to be like, yeah, you know, Amazon's listening to your conversations. And, you know, when you're using Google, I read in all your emails and et cetera, et cetera. All the stuff that is fairly commonplace and well understood, specifically in the privacy circles, of course. So that was the other biggest step change, you know, is I've obviously stripped all that stuff out of my life and become... I guess as minimally digital as I can, uh, while still being able to try and, you know, operate. Uh, you know, I work in a remote team. You know, there's only so much digital stuff you can remove uh, from your life before it starts to become a massive headache. So, yeah. um, I guess that was the other biggest step change. Um, would be would be the privacy one, and it's one that I'm so so glad that I made. Man, that that privacy one is a whole nother rabbit hole unto itself, right? You know, just even without Bitcoin, just to try and um, remove your footprint online is easier said than done, particularly if you've, you know, set yourself up with all of that stuff. Um, I just, I, I find that stuff incredible. You know, I've flashed um, Calyx. I haven't gone, gone as hardcore as Graphene yet uh onto onto a phone and i mean if if you told me that that that's the kind of thing that you'd be doing because i didn't i wasn't necessarily interested in computers and, and things like that i like you know being able to use them as a tool for certain productive things but doing that kind of stuff was like a step too far but then once you realize you know your phone is basically just a bug device that you carry around your pocket all day you're like oh yeah right let's try and remove that then um it's it's just wild the privacy side of things and it's one of the reasons why i guess you know on the pod is is just um you know no one really knows who i am which is fantastic and uh, you know i spoke to max about this on a on a, quite a number of episodes ago i think episode 10 from uh, bit by bit and pleb minor podcast shout out to max he's <laughs> I I I just would love to have a beer with Max one day. I think that would just be hilarious. He's just such a cool dude. Anyway, point is, uh, he was like, yeah. "I'm uh, I'm going out with him on on Saturday, so I'll uh, I'll send him your regards." <laughs> Please do. He uh, you know, he he even said to me like he he hates r- 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 he doesn't hate. I guess he what did he say? He regrets the fact that he even just uses his name, which you know it could just not be his name. But um, the point is, is that. You know, back then, before before he sort of dove down that rabbit hole as well, uh, it, it's just a, an incredible and steep learning curve. That if you're willing to do it, man, it's it pays dividends. Hey, yeah, definitely does. Uh, I, I'd say that the privacy rabbit hole is almost as big as the Bitcoin one is. Uh, it's 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 never ending, and there's so many different 
layers and and um i guess levels of severity that you can take it and i'd put myself probably somewhere in the middle you know and um but once again yeah you can take it as far as you like and and you know let it crawl into all aspects of your life if you like but like i say it does start to become difficult you know when when you start to live day-to-day life as soon as you start removing all these crutches um unless you can find a viable kind of open source privacy preserving alternative, which I will say that kind of ecosystem is growing uh, mm-hmm. rapidly, which is great to see. Uh, but if you can't find that alternative and you just have to do without, then you just, yeah, uh, privacy is all about making sacrifices. Unfortunately, you know, I, I would love to be able to, you know, run everything Apple where it all just works. And I don't have to think like, that ecosystem is awesome, but am I willing to make that trade-off of not having a clue what's going on on any of my hardware and knowing that they can remotely do whatever they want? Then no, I'm, I'm not willing to make that trade-off. So I'm happy to run an Android operating system where I have to flash it myself and go through that learning process, et cetera. And once again, just like in Bitcoin, where most people don't care to learn or understand what money is because you know things aren't bad enough, then... You could apply that same lens to the privacy scene where, once again, their their iPhone to them, it just works and they don't care that it's closed source and might be tracking everything they do because, you know, things haven't got bad enough for them and they've not had the book thrown at them for the wrong thing of that text message that they sent to their friend during COVID that was telling them that lockdowns are stupid and things like that. Things just haven't got bad enough for people to, or for most people, should I say, to to want to kind of uh, spend that extra time to go through the, the loopholes that we have. Going down that rabbit hole and for anyone listening that maybe is, you know, it's, it's a difficult rabbit hole to go down because there is, it's, 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 again, it's another steep learning curve, et cetera. But do you have any sort of top three, like, you know, pointers or something that you would advocate someone consider seriously in terms of, right siding their their uh, privacy online is there any is there any certain things in and around it can be bitcoin related it could be uh, anything i guess uh, that you would recommend that people would take seriously and make it a priority to try and amend yeah i think the the first one that sticks out is kind of gener- generic and you can apply it to, to most things is just limit the amount of information that you share about yourself online so that could be the way that you log into things uh it could be your email address like don't have you know satoshi.nakamoto at gmail.com if that's your real name because if that email gets linked then you know there's a lot of stuff that could um could get leaked about you whereas if you just had like you know 123btc7 at gmail.com then you know that doesn't tell me anything about you if i learn your email address um other things i guess more bitcoin specific would be to delve into CoinJoin. Um, Bitcoin itself uh, at the base layer is pretty terrible for your privacy. Um, if you just kind of use it in a in a rather naive way where you just kind of let the wallet uh, do its thing and automatically spend your coins um, as as it dictates using the algorithms that it wants to, mm-hmm. um, then it's, it's not that good for your privacy. If you couple that with the fact that most people, unfortunately, enter the space via regulated exchanges that require all sorts of horrible KYC information, like selfies, videos, voice recordings, passports, driving licenses, all that sort of stuff, which we know is not stored 
securely. Um, it just makes for a, uh, I guess, a, a chain surveillance's uh, wet dream. You know, it's they 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 know they see all the, the entry and exit points because they're all regulated, and then this ledger is transparent, and most people are not using these privacy-preserving transactions, so they can basically just follow a vast majority of the network really easily mm-hmm. because most people, once again, just don't care about this. So, CoinJoin is a great tool. Um, and buying via no KYC methods is nowhere near as, as scary as as uh, some people have you believe. So um, you know, try it. Just try it using uh, BISC or Hodl Hodl or RoboSats just to buy your next SAS. Just just test it out and see if it's for you. Every time I've opened RoboSats, uh, I've got to the. Well, I mean, to be honest, the the liquidity over here isn't that deep. And I haven't bothered to sort of spin up a Revolut or a Wise, whatever they're called, account or anything like that. And I've got, you know, Brisket, mm-hmm. who's been on the pod. He's taught me a whole bunch of things. And it's, it's, I always get to a point in that, in that process where I just, I sort of puss out basically. <laughs> so I need to yeah, push look, myself. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and try and gaslight people into saying that no KYC buying is easier than just going onto Strike or Coinbase and hitting buy. It's not. Like again, once again, we've been talking about trade-offs this whole call. You want it. The, the, there are trade-offs to buying via no KYC. You've got to go through some extra steps. Um, but if you see value in obtaining your Bitcoin privately and not having it tied to your identity, then once again, you're just going to have to go through that a couple of extra steps of learning curve. One thing I will say though is somebody shared with me recently the KYC requirements for uh, a certain exchange that's based in Europe. And they screenshotted all of the steps that are required. And I was like, there's so many steps that are required. Like it was proof of funds, bank statements, videos of your face. Uh, and you had to like save all this stuff and send it via email just before you could um, purchase your first SATs. I'm like, I-, I could have gone to Huddle Huddle and, and just, you know, put up a buy order and somebody would have took it within an hour and I wouldn't have to provide any of that information and I've done less work. Now, yeah, I'm using two extremes of, of either end of the spectrum there, of course. And, you know, there are exchanges that don't require as much stuff, but, you know, it, the blanket statement of KYC is too hard um, isn't always true because sometimes KYC exchanges are terribly difficult to use. Oh, yeah. And they're getting worse, man. They're getting worse. I had an experience just recently, which has blown my mind. I won't, I won't say what it is just yet, but, uh, it's, it's got me, it's, it's pretty gross to be honest with you. Anyway, um, that whole, that whole buying non KYC stuff, coin joins and pay joins, pay join transactions are quite, um, I mean, obviously if you can get over the, the excess, the, the extra fees that are associated, but a pay join transaction is quite quite enjoyable once you see it go through because it just does obfuscate the um what is it the input address it's 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 pretty remarkable yeah so a a pay join um is kind of a collaborative transaction between the sender and the recipient where rather than uh, only the sender uh, using their inputs to kind of pay the recipient which is a traditional transaction the recipient will actually contribute uh, uh, one input to the transaction as well um, and this undermines one of the most common heuristics that chain surveillance firms use which is known as the common input ownership heuristic which assumes like i've just said that 
all of the inputs in a transaction belong to the same person because they're paying another person as the recipient. Yeah. With a pay join, that's not true, and it completely undermines that. The other super cool thing is that you know if you and I were doing a pay join and you were paying me a hundred thousand sats, there would not be a single input or a single output of a hundred thousand sat value. So the actual amount being transferred from A to B is completely obfuscated as well. Yeah. The I've forgotten what I was going to say just now, but but um, that that whole uh, I, oh that's right it was in around uh, UTXO management, which is all the rage nowadays because of um, reasonably high <laughs> fees that are still, I guess, going up and and I guess will probably go up. But uh, there's all that that idea of um, you know if you've got a big fat UTXO chunk, as Wicket likes to call them, and and you spend from that. Uh, if if you spend a certain portion of that sats, it may not be the whole UTXO chunk, then the the recipient can see, I guess, the balance, right, on on that input and then sort of at least figure out at least how much that that uh, spender has, right? Whereas when you're on a, um, when you do it, uh, when you make that spender pay join, it, it completely, again, as you were just saying, it obfuscates that. And so... Although UTXO management is really important and you should have fat UTXOs, um, I, I got into a bit of a tears recently where I was like, hang on, okay, so should I be, you know, uh, allocating a certain amount of sats per UTXO so that I don't have this these giant, you know, fat UTXOs and I don't have giant fat UTXOs. In fact, I've got no Bitcoin because uh, all of it got... Um, I think it burnt down a house fire or something or a boating accident. One of the things, oh, it was man. tragic, man. I, I, I hate it. But, uh, you know, <laughs> point is um, I kind of got over that fairly quickly when I realized that, you know, this tech exists and ideally it will improve over time. And um, worst comes to worst, you can just pay the fees and make it a pay join and it's going to be okay. You know. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's it's that uh, all important trade offs again. Like right. you know, if you have very few large coins, then you're going to be sharing more information when you spend those in the future, and you know, people that you pay are going to know you might be a whale. But if you have a shit ton of tiny UTXOs, then you're and the fees continue to go up, then mm-hmm. you're going to be paying a significant amount of fees to combine those in the future and 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 do some spend. So, as always, it's a spectrum, and you know the. I guess the quote unquote right way to do it is somewhere in the middle where you have a good mix of big ones, medium ones, and little ones. That's it. That's it. Okay. What have you learned about the world? And more importantly, what have you learned about yourself since discovering Bitcoin? Uh, I think I alluded to what I've learned about the world uh, yeah. since I had my eyes opened is that, you know, it is not a rosy place. Everything's a scam. Nobody cares about you. <laughs> Everything's a scam, yeah, and you just need to be uh, self, as self-reliant as you can in, in modern-day society um, and just look after yourself because nobody else is going gonna, is gonna to look after you and, and kind of cater to your interests, uh, especially not your local government. Um, yeah, that was the biggest wake-up call for me is that, you know, these, these, these world governments are um, just massive inefficient money holes that make money disappear and steal from the common public really which sounds really doomer and i guess it kind of is but it's me like it's a good thing that i've woken up to that and and i'm, and I'm wise to it now and and can kind of 
start to take steps to to protect myself i guess and what was the the second part of the question sorry learn about yourself since discovering bitcoin Oof, that is a good question um i guess i've rediscovered um a love for helping people i've always um I guess I've always kind of liked helping people, but going through the the steps of creating the website and you know and interacting with people online who I've never met, some of well, some I've never met, and some I probably never will meet, um, but still being able to build up what I would consider quite a a close relationship with some of those people that I would consider them, you know, as potentially real close friends. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of a, a situation I didn't ever see myself being in. Uh, but you know it's very much true now I've got people online who you know I trust quite a lot and I've never met them in person Um, and I've also gained some awesome friendships out out of Bitcoin as well you know you mentioned Max earlier um, and there's a couple of other great guys like um, uh, Brother Rabbit and Black Coffee and people like that who are all all nims and you know these 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 are just guys that you know live in the same country as me and have a shared interest that if it wasn't for bitcoin i never would have met them and you know now we're going karting on saturday um so i think that's just an awesome aspect of bitcoin and and just an impetus to um to kind of you know i guess push people maybe that are listening to this that might be sitting on the sidelines to get involved because if you put a little bit of time in the the gains that you see back from that um in you know multiple aspects of your life um are, are quite huge or potentially can be quite huge it's amazing how much you can receive when you when you give in the first instance and give quite a lot you know you you do receive it back two threefold it's uh it's weird how yeah i'll give you a perfect like example yeah perfect example is you know i started to build out uh bitcoin.guides um and i've had probably 20 plus people that have just again random is on the internet that i've never met that have messaged me to say love your content can i can can i translate it into french german italian whatever it is mm-hmm. so they've seen me doing that for free putting out that content they've seen value in it and they've gone do you know what my uh, italian friends might benefit from this i'm going to give my time now to go and translate all of this content so that my friends can then benefit from it and it's like this um one of my kind of Bitcoin mentors once said the term, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants where, you know, you see somebody doing something good and then you want to kind of go and stand on their shoulders and do something, um, something else good uh, based upon that. And it kind of grows and it's like a never ending chain of events that I guess is ultimately what pushes us all forward and pushes the ecosystem forward. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Paying it forward. And again, that's what sort of was that, that propeller that propulsion to just contribute and yeah you get inspired by someone and you you want to you want to somehow contribute to the space in whatever capacity that is uh, it's yeah it's a really strange phenomenon i've never really seen it in any other culture before not to sort of say that bitcoin's a culture but there's there is there is definitely a culture in and around bitcoin um and amongst Bitcoiners. And that's, I think, the, the fascinating thing is as we theoretically cross this chasm from, you know, the, what is it, the early adopters to the early majority, is that we're going we're gonna to start to see that diluted, as you said, right at the top, is that that net gets wider and wider as we go. And um, 
I guess folks like Magoo and such, they're, they're going to have a hard time. I mean, they're not really, they're not, they're going to be fine, but like, you know what I mean? That, that toxicity <laughs> won't play as well. Um, you know, I mean, Joe Kernan was, get was having yeah. a bit of a toxic moment on CNBC recently where he was telling Gary Gensler to fuck off with his, his tiny little <laughs> fingers. That was hilarious. Like, I, I mean, maybe it will play on, on mainstream media. I don't know. Like, yeah, maybe it will. Who knows? We'll see how it plays out in the fullness of time. Here's a curious one. It's, um, you know, I'll just, I'll just ask it. How, how do you explain Bitcoin? Oh, yeah. So I'm going to come back with a, an, a slightly annoying answer. Do and it. I will explain it. Um, it it depends. It depends on the person. Of course. I, I used to go in. Uh, I used to go in with a hammer, and I used to say, I used to be like, you know, Bitcoin's uncensorable, peer to peer digital cash, and you know, I, I said earlier, I used to get that, um, which is true by the way, if you use it in the right way. But I used to saying this to normies, I just used to get that blank stare where they glaze over and they go, you know, this guy needs to be sectioned. He's he's lost it. Um, so now that. I have a better understanding of Bitcoin and money and, you know, the world, I guess. Uh, and I guess I'm, you know, five or 10 years older and wiser and, and just um, I'm able to approach situations a bit more calmly um, would be you know, tailor it to to the person. So, like, I'm not going to um, try an orange pill um, uh, an 80 year old millionaire to say that um this is uh pit spear digital cash and this is a way that you can hide your transactions from the government because you know they're all um trying to track what you do like somebody like that is not interested in the slightest because they're already wealthy the system works for them and they probably don't care about privacy either mm -hmm. so it, it very much just depends on who you're trying to speak to so i guess first off i would ask some probing questions and, and try and find out or gain an understanding of you know how they see the world and what their understanding is of 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 money um and whether they're you know what their interests are and try and position my my takeoff point for describing bitcoin uh more geared towards what's going to resonate with them because um not everything is going to resonate with everyone because Bitcoin is many, many things to many different people. So um, unfortunately, there just isn't a blanket answer. But, you know, if you push me to, to give a blanket answer, um, I would just say that it's money that can be uh, used outside of the control of third parties and outside of governments. This, that, that tailoring of the answer is really important, you know, and, and, and sort of pitching it right, I guess, meeting them where they stand, so to speak, because, yeah. You, and I think that's part of the Bitcoin journey is early doors. You know, you're checking the price every five minutes. You're shouting it from the rooftops. Um, you are just insatiably ingesting all of this content as much as you possibly can. You're annoying the hell out of your friends, family, significant other, whatever. Um, and then eventually you just sort of calm down and, and realize that, uh, you know, it's all good <laughs> as long as I uh, it, keep, keep yeah. the stack it's, it's difficult, you know. It's difficult to be able to tailor that to that person, especially if you're just meeting them for the first time because you don't really know a lot about them. And, and you know, Bitcoin can be viewed through so many different lenses. So trying to couple 
both of those things of you know meeting somebody new learning about them and then trying to pick one of the thousand ways that you can describe bitcoin all in you know the click of a finger is is a very difficult thing to do and it's something that you know if you push me i'd say i'm probably not that great at uh, right now and it's something that i guess you know it's a skill that improves over time and you start to as you start to have more and more of those conversations you start to see the faces light up when you say the right thing and you know that kind of sharpens your your approach i guess yeah yeah you get to learn the the certainly ins the right things to say what does bitcoin mean to you bitcoin to me uh is optionality um mm. it gives me an optionality to save my uh, wealth outside of um, inflation. Uh, it gives me an option to spend my money uh, with whoever I want to, providing they accept Bitcoin, of course, whenever I want to, um, in a value wherever, uh, that I want without having to trust or ask the permission um, of a third party. I would say that's it for me. And um, yeah, optionality and, and permissionless permissionlessness. That was a difficult one to say. Um, but yeah, that, that would be it for me. Great answer. Optionality always. It's crucial, crucial, crucial. Q&A, this has been a fantastic conversation. I always say this at the end, but um, actually, fuck that. I'm going to take that again because um, that just it just sounds like a fucking line. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Q&A, thank you, man. This was an awesome conversation. I uh, I really appreciate you spending the time, scarce time, finite energy, telling us the tale of how you discovered Bitcoin. People want to check out your work, they can go to bitcoiner.guide and uh, I guess they can shoot you a, a, a DM as well. Your DMs are open. I know that, I know that they are because I have DM'd you about some trauma <laughs> that you recently... Um, <laughs> you know unwillingly and unsuspectingly put on onto me and probably a few other people as well but uh you were very helpful and um you know we we sort of worked it out and i uh i told you about that off air before we hit record so i would suggest to anyone that's uh, got a question in around bitcoin to uh to reach out and you know let's let's just do it you've you've um i i was mentioning this to a um a, a fresh coiner I think he is now, um, the other day, uh, he was asking me about hardware wallets and I mentioned, um, you know, uh, the Jade and the cold card and, uh, the passport and, uh, sent him a few links. And, uh, I think he came back and, and told me the other day that he'd, uh, pulled the trigger on a passport, which was, which is cool. I've not used one, uh, before, uh, and you know, certainly don't get paid to shill this, but so you work for foundation yeah. devices, right? Which produces the, the passport and, um, it's a sexy little looking thing. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, been a, a passion project of mine for the past two years since I've been with foundation, um, literally, you know, spending 40, 50, 60 hours a week working with the rest of the awesome team there to, to build what we see as the, the best possible Bitcoin only hardware wallet I, I fully understand that that's completely subjective um but we we i guess are first and foremost a security company obviously we build these devices to to generate and store your bitcoin keys that's the whole point of them 
but we look at it through a lens of um, these things also shouldn't look ugly and be difficult to use. So, you know, as critical as we are about security, we also like to be hypercritical around our uh, design aspects and our user interfaces, mm -hmm. uh, which also transpires through to, to Envoy, our mobile application, because, you know, majority of the ecosystem is is plagued with tiny little USB sticks with tiny screens that, you know, might be fine for a 20 something with great eyesight. But, uh, you know, you give this to a, a 50 year old boomer that uh, that's not got great eyesight, then they're going to struggle. So um, we wanted things that feel intuitive and, and, you know, are easy to use. And, you know, that's our impetus for, for building Passport in in the way that, that we have done. And, you know, we like to think it, it, it looks good, it feels good, and obviously it works really well. Excellent. Well, listen, man, thank you so much. If uh, listeners have any sort of questions or anything, they obviously can reach out by DM and jump onto bitcoiner.guide. But I just want to say thanks again for sharing some scarce time, finer energy, telling us the tale of how you discovered Bitcoin. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a really fun conversation. Just...